A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi there. So everybody... We are here today with a very special guest. This is Sydney Torres, and Sydney is a highly successful successful real estate entrepreneur, and he's starring in, well, it's hard to, a little hard to explain. He's got two new shows. One is called The Deed, and it's going to start March 1st on CNBC, and he is going to be in that. And he's going to be showing you how to buy homes and how to flip them and make loads of money. But he has also got a new TV show called APB starting February 6th. So that's right around the corner. And that's on Fox at 8 p.m. on Monday nights. And the show is based on him. So, hello. Talk about successful two shows. Yeah, welcome and to the show. A, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah, and a huge business where he flips these properties, and you've got something like two hundred and fifty million worth of real estate properties that you have bought and then turned into successes, and and either sold or I think you own some of them still. And now, tell us first about the deed because this is like about your life, your business, flipping. <laughs> so the, the the deed is well. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate well. Thank you for coming. Yes. We all want to get rich and learn how to flip, just like you. Well, you have to go through some times, but uh, you can do it. And if uh, you've got to be passionate about it, or whatever you do, if you want to get into real estate, especially because you'll have some sleepless nights. But for me, it's been it's been very. Um, the deed started out from CNBC. CNBC contacted me after uh, years of doing this. I started in 1997. And, and you're only like, what, 33 years old? I'm like 21. You're 21 now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 41. I'm 41. So No, but I started in 1997 uh-huh. with a $50,000 line of credit from my grandmother. who She co-signed the line of credit. I convinced her to co-sign the line of credit so I could buy my first fixer-upper. And um, from 1997, so to, 20 years you've yeah, been doing this. 20 okay. years, and from 19- that's right, you can't be 33. No, no. <laughs> unless you started when you're 13. Okay, <laughs> but from tw- from 1997 to 2005, I developed over 100 million dollars in real estate in hotels and condos and apartments. Got into the hotel business, developed hotels in the French Quarter in New Orleans, developed hotels in the Caribbean, built nice resorts in the Caribbean, and I like taking on distressed assets and things that nobody else wants to touch. And I like getting in there and figuring out a way to brand them and to get them in a place to where I can sell them again. And so CNBC saw this and they said, you know what? We want to do something where all these flipping shows today, it's like the house is like in bad shape. And then at the end of the show, you have this beautiful reveal of this house that's finished. But we want to do something that really shows the real life of what goes on when the contractor doesn't give you the right number to finish your kitchen or your bathroom. What happens when the contractor doesn't show up? And so we want to do a show that really teaches the real side, the real life of flipping homes. And the the problems that you can run into. 
problems yeah. you can run into. Why don't, you, why don't you buy Donald Trump's casino business? That needs the flip, doesn't <laughs> it? Isn't that in trouble? Could you, could you rescue that one? I don't know about that. Atlantic uh, City needs you. Have you seen it? So, Talk about so, that. The, so the thing is, is that, so the deed, you are helping people who have bought homes for themselves or to um, or for business, like investments that they want to then turn over and resell? Or is it a mix of both? Well, it's it's a mix of both. And it's people who have never, ever been in the real estate business, but maybe they, you know, were I, like, I'll give you an example. One group, they went to school, they grew up in, in, the, in the housing projects in New Orleans, and they got scholarships to go to school to become engineers. And they ended up leaving uh, to start in real estate after they got their education and do house flipping. Um, they built an incredible portfolio of properties, but they never had guidance on how to manage their financial situation, and they got a little bit in over their head. And they were about to be in a situation where they couldn't get this project financed, and they were having cash flow issues, and so that's when I step in. Let's hear a little bit from the show. Let's hear the trailer. Go ahead. I've been through the hard times in the real estate business where everything dried up. I need 312000 $3.2 $215,000. Mentor me and teach me because I have a lot to learn. I've developed $250 million worth of real estate. But your house yeah, so people are in dire straits. They come to you, and you're the fixer-upper. Yes, yes. And, <laughs> and, you know, like most of these fixer-up shows, you know, it, sometimes they just – people watch them. They like them. They do very well. But this one is like – you can really learn from this show if you want to get in the game. It's – I always say you don't need a bunch of money to get into real estate. You can get started if you have a good mentor. And I always say to get a good mentor – you, you got to know somebody in real estate, like a real estate agent, real estate broker, uh, somebody who's in construction. Get good advice. Really do your homework before buying in an area. You and I just talked before we came on the air about the fact that, you know, how do you find those areas to buy in the fringe? You were talking about Toronto. Right. Well, I was talking, you, you're working in New Orleans, and um, it seems from watching some of the, sh the uh, trailers for the show, like there are areas that are, they're not quite the hottest area, but you can see that they've got possibilities. But in other cities like New York City and like Toronto, like everything is hot. There's no good deals left. At least I don't think there are. So if how do you tell that something might be worthy of investing in that you won't lose your shirt on? Because you can fix it up and still make a profit if you resell it. Well, you know, in real estate, they always say location, location, right. location. And, you know, there are always opportunities, but you have to really do your homework. And what I mean by that is that, yeah, it might be very difficult getting in your first deal in Manhattan. You know, it takes a lot of cash to really get started in that area. But there's yeah, deals there's no that, bargains in Manhattan. No, no bargains in Manhattan. But, you know, you go to Jersey, you go to Long Island. There are opportunities out there. And you always want to look to find where good schools are, you know, good, good roadways. Um, I always like to say, you know, you, you do a lot of research on the MLS dealing with real estate agents to find out, like, what are the rents in the area? What are houses selling for? How long does it take to sell a house when you put it on the market? How much does it cost to renovate? There are a bunch of things you have to do when getting in this business. It's not just, oh, I got a good deal. I'm buying it. You, you really got to do your homework. And so what should you be looking for? Like, you said you want a good schools, you want good roads, but what is a decent amount of time? Like, 
it, maybe it's not good if the houses sell too fast because then it's too expensive to buy. Like, Well, what I always say is like, just like, for example, when I got started, I didn't have a lot of money t- when I got started and I was trying to figure out a way, where was I going to invest? And I decided to invest around Tulane and Loyola, which was a college in New Orleans right. that a lot of people come in from New York and LA. And for them, the prices are cheap for rent because they're used to paying New York prices. So I decided I'm going to buy, I couldn't afford to be right next to the school. So I had to kind of buy outside a little bit, but I knew that area was coming back and I got good guidance from there was a real estate agent i always say find the best real estate agent in the areas that you think you want to invest in then once you find that real estate agent you look for something that you think you like that you want to buy and you um and then you end up once you find that you want to talk to a good contractor to see what it would cost to improve that house then go back to that real estate agent and ask him, hey, if I put this much money in it, what is it going to look like when I go to sell it? Am I, am I overpricing my house by putting too much money into it? When you get those things done, you want to nego- negotiate the best deal when buying that house. And this is going for your private, your first home too. It's not just investment property. Right. You know, you want to make sure you do this homework. Then you, you negotiate the best deal you can, and then you want to get good financing. Sometimes like the deals that you're going to see on CNBC, these people can't go to the bank and get financing because they don't have the ability to show, to fit into that box. Right, like one of of the women that you work with in the show, she's borrowed money from her her husband, her family. Like, that's why it's it's just even so much more terrible because she's terrified she's going to let her whole family down. Absolutely, and she hadn't borrowed, the parents hadn't been in debt in 15 years, and they signed on because they wanted to help their daughter, but they almost lost everything. So when you see this, you want to make sure that you don't put your family in that situation, your mentor in that situation, your friends in that situation. So it's important that you do the research. But one of the things I want to finish with saying to you about the house, finding it, talking to a contract and a real estate agent, when you negotiate that deal and you can't find a bank that can finance it, there are plenty of people in your community, in your state, that are like me, that, that have funding that they've made over the years, that they, they have a private fund, and they're looking for people that have done their homework. When somebody comes to me, I don't look to see, you know, um, what's their experience in doing it. I want to see, do they have that passion in their eyes? Are they really, have they done their homework? Or do they know the area that they're talking about investing in? And when I see that, it gets me excited to want to invest with them. It gets me excited to want to, I also see what kind of watch they're wearing, what kind of car they're driving, because if they're spending a bunch of money on those kind of things, they're really not serious about being a serious real estate developer. I'm not saying you can't have those things, but over time, you can have those things after you've shown that right, you can made succeed. your money. Exactly. You shouldn't be just outspending everything when you should be investing. Exactly. Now, just going back to your show, The Deed. So you, the idea is each episode, I guess, you have one person or group of people who are desperate because they've they've already got their houses or their properties and they're running out of money and they don't know what to do. They're going to lose their shirt. And so what do you do? Do you, you give them money? Like you step in, you loan the money. Do you take an interest in the property? Every deal is different. And you know, it all depends. Like a lot of times, like we have one deal where this guy paid $40,000 over the, um, the area that he, he should have, he shouldn't have paid 40,000 over because the value that the, the the house really was forty thousand. He shouldn't have paid forty thousand over, and so in that situation, so he paid too much for the house. He paid too much for the house. So in that situation, and and people always go wrong with this. They think, well, I can renovate it for less, so I can pay more. I'll just add it on to the back end of it for the sales price. Well, guess what? If something in that neighborhood doesn't sell for that, you don't want to be the guy thinking you're going to break the record when you're paying over in the beginning. So in his situation, I gave him a low interest rate, and the reason I gave him a low interest rate is I met his mother. 
I met his wife. I met his family. And the guy was in a really bad situation. He bought a house across the street from a funeral home, <laughs> n- underneath an interstate, and next door to a voodoo doctor. Oh, in New Orleans- that's my neighborhood. Are you describing where, you're describing where I live. <laughs> and in New Orleans, voodoo doctors are, like, very common. But in New Orleans, funeral homes are different than anywhere else. We celebrate when somebody passes. Uh-huh. We have these jazz funerals. So funerals can take forever. Oh, so it's come- noisy. It's noisy and everything else. So you got I've- the voodoo guy. Right. Right. You, got, you the, got to the dancers you, for the funeral. Yeah, they always say location, location, location. He had three strikes. He was out. But I felt bad. I wanted to help out. I gave him a good interest rate. And so on that deal, I didn't take a piece. But what I did do is I took a mortgage on his personal home and the property. Oh, my God. So, so he could have lost his own home to you. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that if he works with me and we work together, we can get through it. But you'll see in the show that Sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Oh, really? So some people you can't save. Some people well, the, you can't there was save. This, there was this one woman in particular that we, we were watching, and she had $17,000 a month in overhead between her office and her her mortgage and then just her like other expenses. It just really added up. And then she had, you know, she had to make, come up with all of this cash, and she really didn't have any revenue coming in. I mean, at that point, what can you really do besides say you, you're broke, you got to sell? Well, in that situation, that's a good. I'm glad you bring that up because a lot of people, like a standard, like a regular bank, they wouldn't look at it in the way that I look at it. I always look at, you know, the long term. What's the long term play? And in her mind, she couldn't get out of the weeds. She was underneath the weeds. She had put her, her family at risk, her husband at risk, her, her just everybody that she could get involved in this deal that put money up. They were at risk. And she had to take a shaving on the two homes she had built, the model home. She had to take a loss. But I knew just from my experience that in the long run, we could make the money up on the other 14 lots that she had developed. Right, because she had this piece of property that was in a great place in New Orleans. So it was kind of prime real estate, but for some reason she just couldn't sell two houses that she'd built on it. She couldn't sell it because she had built the houses for more than what she should have, and she thought she was going to get it out of the putting it on the sales price and selling the houses for more, and she was going to break the record. Well, she ended up sitting on that for six months, and getting ready to lose it all. And so when I got in there, I said, we need to create activity. We need to create buzz. We need to, you know, when, when you show up to a site and it's dead and you see these two brand new homes, it looks like a ghost town. So we can't have that. So what I said was, what we need to do is start building the third home. A lot of people would look at that situation and say, well, you're crazy. Well, we you just tripled down. Exactly. Bad, bad. That sounds terrible. But guess what? I didn't triple down until I realized that I could build the houses for $100,000 less than what she could build them for. So I convinced her by showing her some of my past projects to take money off the two homes and build the new home, and we're going to make it up on the future homes. It took her a long time to realize that, but until she realized she couldn't make her mortgage payment, she couldn't pay her like light she bill. Had to, she had to get really desperate. She had to get really desperate. And when she got emotional in that scene, I almost started getting, I mean, I was feeling emotional inside because I felt for her. At the first time, I was like, this woman is in a lot of pain and she needs help. And so I, I basically stepped up and said, look, I'm going to put up more money, but you're going to let me take over control and help you get this thing done. And now it's an amazing success story and you really need to watch the show to see it. Her parents are so pleased. 
they're off the debt, oh, and I'm that. not going to tell the whole thing. you yeah, got to tune like, in and watch they're it. they're angel. What is, <laughs> it, what is it about people in particular that seem to get themselves so deep underwater? Like, you kind of come in like a shark, and you know what to do. You know the moves to make. But what is it about the people <laughs> a who... Shark? Like a shark? Oh, my God. I don't want to <laughs> be like the shark. Listen, it's a, this is a dog-eat-dog world, right? It's sink or swim, right? She's kind of a she's she's kind of a goldfish, a little bit, you know? Small. I'm a dolphin. I'm a dolphin. <laughs> okay, you're a dolphin. You're, you're helping children safely to shore on your, on your, right, on your right. slick, smooth back. Um, no, but what is it about... People like, what's the difference between you and a person like her who gets way over her head and doesn't really understand the finances? Like, why why do you have this edge and what are they doing wrong fundamentally? Well, well, I think it's experience. I mean, I think, you know, years and years of going through it. I mean, I went through hard times when I went through the economy, the downturn in the economy. I went through Hurricane Katrina. You know, I I went through a lot of stuff and almost lost everything. I was eight and a half million in debt when Hurricane Katrina hit. Um, Didn't know what to do. I ended up starting a garbage company, became the biggest and largest garbage company in the state of Louisiana. Louisiana after Katrina hit. I helped clean up the city. I did it to help out, but didn't realize it was going to build into one of the largest in the state of Louisiana. I so built the garbage it. business saved you when you were in debt for real it, estate? It saved, well, yeah, I went back there to help out. I ended up, I started with one truck. I ended up building it up to 150 trucks. I had over 300 employees. And um, in seven years, I was the largest hauling company in the state of Louisiana, and I sold it to waste management. And so, you know, Sometimes you got to get creative and like Tony be- Soprano over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I know how to clean up the trash. And um and so but at the end of the day, I, I, I have been through it. I've experienced the tough times. And when I walk into a situation, sometimes people are in the weeds. And they, if they, I bring money to the table, absolutely. Because in this show, I invest a million and a half in this show to each individual person who needs help who are every in single one got a million and a no, half no 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 oh. out of the whole show oh, okay. the series you you're going to see that i put a million and a half of my own funds to help these individuals but to answer your question a lot of times they can't see through the weeds and it's somebody that's coming that's been through it and not just telling them like a lot of these flipping shows they tell them but i'm actually putting my own money up so I'm having to, when I show up on set every day, we shot this for seven months. There's no script. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to paint a wall today. We're going to, you know, hang sheetrock. It's not like that. Every day is something different. And every, every deal is different. And do you bring contractors? I bring my guys in yeah. if I have to, but sometimes I try to let them finish it mm-hmm. up. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just, you know, for people who are out there who are, who are watching, listening, and they're thinking, I, it looks so exciting to get real estate, what are the qualities that you absolutely need to have in order to do this, to buy good properties, to flip them? Like, what are the essential I, kind of human qualities you need? Look, I, I, I was dyslexic coming up from school. I struggled with dyslexia. I did not like school. Uh, you know, I love animals. I have a bunch of animals. I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. So if you think you have to have a bunch of schooling to get in this game, you don't. Um, I always look for somebody who has that passion, who, 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 who they do their homework, um, they have a little something inside. They love design. Like they, they have like a passion for houses. They have a passion and... for houses. They have a passion for design. They think they, you know, they they like building. Um, you know, they they if they they have that desire to want to do it. I always say. 
go get a job like leasing houses or leasing apartments or go work for somebody who's a designer. Go work for a construction company like I did, you know, learning the business a little bit. And once you think like, oh, I really like this or I can do this, then you go to the next step, which is go online and search Zillow. Go online and search other different agencies that, you know, um, I always say go to different websites and go online and look to see what different markets look like. What are houses selling for? What are they renting for? And see if, if it continue to, continues to blossom and you feel that desire inside to really still want to move forward. And if you do, you take the next step. And that's whether it's getting into real estate as an agent or a designer. And, and then you build your you build where what area you want to be in. You identify that area. You do your homework, and then you start looking for a guy like myself in your area that wants to invest with you. If you can't deal with a local bank, it, I help people all the time, and I love helping people who don't have a lot to start with, but they have that burning desire inside to learn the business. So it sounds like you you shouldn't just like wake up one day, which I think we see on TV in different shows and and go, you know what? I can do this and they go out and they try and find houses and then they buy something and, and then, then they get divorced. Right. And then, they get, <laughs> and then yeah, their whole marriage falls apart while they try and fix it up. So it's like you don't just wake up and do this. You no. have to do a lot of homework and you actually have to kind of train in a related business. I always say it's true. And, and, and people probably have experienced this with just home renovations or renovating their kitchen or apartment. Oh, yeah. You marriages know, definitely fall apart it, they, over renovations. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm telling you, that's why I've never been married. And so uh, <laughs> oh, really? you're always renovating. <laughs> that's the reason why, because I'm always renovating. <laughs> um, and so how do you tell that? A, okay, what's okay when you look at a house? And it, you, there's always things wrong with it. What are okay things like? And what should you run away from? Like, are termites okay? Is fire damage okay? Is pl- like old plumbing okay? Or like, what are the things you shouldn't go? Just go. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I think it's all based on you know location and the value yeah. and the value that you're getting on. Like, if you're getting a good deal on the home and you know the market and you and you get with your contractor and you say, okay, if it has termites, but you know you can fix it for twenty thousand or thirty thousand, and you know that they you still have a good profit in there if you if you have to spend that money to fix it, I don't think you run away from anything until you learn and you understand the market, you understand where you're buying. And you understand what you're dealing with. So I wouldn't say to run away from anything. The only thing you want to run away from is that if it doesn't make sense from the number standpoint, don't try to think you're going to change and be the record setter. You know, right. that's what a lot of people do. They get emotionally involved. Yeah. They start putting they their fall own. fall in love. They fall in love. I always say, don't fall in love with it because it won't love you back. That's what I say about real estate. It's so true. And it and I'm and I use that all the time. My grandfather used to always tell me that. Don't fall in love with it because it won't love you back. And people do that all the time yeah, I was in real estate. I say that. I think that people really fall in love they with houses. They customize it. And they lose track of how right. much they're spending and what they're doing. And then, boom, they're priced out of the market. Right. And then... <laughs> And then they start fighting. But if you're going to, what if you're just going to live in it? Well, how long do you want? Listen, I always like knowing where the exit door is. Every time I do a deal, I want to know where the exit door is because, you know, you never know if you want to move or you want to upgrade or you're going to have another kid or, you know, you never so know. So you can't even look at it from a viewpoint of I'm going to live here for the next 20 years because you never know what's going to happen in life. See, this is the fault. This is the problem I've run into. Okay. Well, you need to take my number. <laughs> 
I'll help you. <laughs> Bonnie needs a bailout. <laughs> now, wait a second. You just mentioned marriage. And he's, Gino, you're, we, we got a couple things we got to talk about still. Uh-oh, he's trying to cut us off. Uh, yeah, he's trying to cut us off. <laughs> but, like, I'm really surprised that The Bachelor hasn't tried to pin you down to be The Bachelor. The I know bachelor. it's a competing network. You're on CNBC and Fox, but... No, you've actually, I did. By the Act- I have been. I oh, have been. Oh, yes. yes. Yes, I have. Uh huh. A few years ago, I got a phone call from a guy in New Orleans who was friends with somebody with the network that said, "We want to talk to you about it." But that's not, you know. Look, I have so many things going on in my world right now that, like, I don't know if I could do that. Really? No. I know, but you don't have a wife, so maybe it's an actually an easy way to well, find one. Well, you know, my, I, I, it's complicated, <laughs> but <laughs> that's the thing. It's complicated. Okay, that's interesting. So you have been approached. Yes, yes. Well, you wouldn't be the first guy who went on that show who wasn't actually single. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, well, he's blushing now. Yes, I okay, am. he's blushing. Turn we'll have head. to find. We'll have to find out more about this. <laughs> now, tell us just about this other show. So, you created. You're just as well as a house saver. Um, you're also a crime buster. Yes. And and APB, which is starting February six, is all about crime busting. So, so what's this about? So, what happened in New Orleans? We had like this really bad thing going on with crime. I mean, it was like people were getting mugged. Beat yeah, up I on remember the reading yeah, about this. Really bad. And um, I called the mayor's office and I said, Mayor, Mr. Mayor, please call me back. The mayor never called me back. So Have you ever I, met the mayor? Yeah, I've met him before. Oh, I used really? to have a garbage contract for oh, the city. Right. So, so he knew you. So he knew me. He wasn't my he, you know, he, he likes he the spotlight. Like, he doesn't like me in the you know in the way. So uh-huh. but he actually would never return my call. So I said, you know what? This is crazy. Why aren't you returning my call? When the mayor won't call you back. It's a problem, <laughs> right? Yeah, what the struggle. <laughs> so the mayor never called me back and I said, you know what? I'm gonna make a 30 second commercial and I'm gonna call the mayor out and I'm gonna say, Mr. Mayor. We need to fix this crime problem. You're the CEO, the president of the city. I know you're a mayor and you were elected, but you are running this this city. You need to fix the crime problem. You're like the young pope. Have you seen that show? You would love it. No, no. You got to send me the link. It's amazing. But what happened was I decided, I said, you know what? I, you need to fix it. Well, he got very upset. He got on, on TV and he says, tell Sydney he's made millions upon millions of dollars. Tell him to put his money where his mouth is. And I said, well, if he lets me, I will. And, um, and so he calls me in and he says, you... We don't have the money to do it. Do you have an idea? I said, yeah. Let me. Like I wanna, you, we don't have the money to fix the crime? Is we don't have the money to add more police officers oh, on I the see. street. And I okay. said, it's not about adding police officers on the street. It's about getting a system that works. So when people you know, call it 911, they're not waiting an hour and a half. You need to do something new. And we want to use this. I want to use this cool app, something simple that my grandmother can use, easy to use. And so I designed this app. I said, on a napkin, I said, here's the long streets and the cross streets. Here's what, uh, prostitution, drug dealing, whatever you see, and then a picture, and then submit. And it goes to the closest officer to you. It's like an Uber of policing. Ah. So oh, I like that. Right. New so, York has that. It's called 311, but you have to go online. It's very complicated. Yeah, no, this is on the phone. It's an app that the Apple... You, so basically, the, you click it if you're in, you, you see it. something, yeah, you can, or you're in a dangerous situation. Yeah, Do you, you type in what happens? No, it's all prog- I programmed. Okay. It so, so I sent it to my IT guy, and he goes, he goes, I said, I want to build this. He says, Sydney, we got to go through Apple. we got to go through Android. I said, I don't care. I want to build it. We need to get this done. We need to get it done in the next few weeks. 
So we put it together. He gets it done. I go back to the city of New Orleans and I tell the mayor that I have a plan. I said, I'm, I'm going to get these souped up cars. We're going to put an app. I'm going to do a commercial to advertise to the city that you download this app on your phone and you can report crimes and the closest officer is going to come to you. And the police chief said, you're crazy. This isn't going to work. And I said, well, I'm going to pay for it. It's a pilot program. You can drive the car before you buy the car. I said, so if it doesn't work, it's not a big deal. It's not going to cost you anything. They agreed to do it. They signed a, a, I had them sign an agreement to let me use their police officers so we have arresting power. They can carry the guns. And, um, and we put oh, it together. Wow. So you got your own cops. Own cops. I set up my own police force. <laughs> this wow. This guy's got his own military, <laughs> military force. <laughs> so, I, so, so I do this. And um, in and, and, and three months, we dropped crime by 45%. And then the New York Times Magazine did a story on Sunday. And then uh, NBC picked up the story on uh, Cynthia McFadden. And so it was a, a huge success. And it's still operating today. And then Fox. And there's, and there's a TV show and now. And now about there's it. a TV show coming out Monday, February 6th, on uh, Fox called the APB app. And it's it's basically they bought my story from the New York Times and they're, it's featuring, it's a guy who's playing me. He takes over a local precinct. And you're in driving Chicago. one of the cars and you're a crime buster. I'm a crime buster. Wow. Okay. Now, does not live by the motto no snitching. Right. <laughs> now, you're, you're very busy, but you're also very slim and you look fit. So, how do you keep in shape? Do you like, I, do you actually work out and stuff? I, I do, do cardio. I fit that in, but I, not enough, but I do a lot of cardio and I'm very active. I like to have a bunch of things going on. It keeps like, me what out kind of, of cardio? Let's be specific. I here. run. Like, I run for like 30 minutes a day on the treadmill. Uh huh. And then, um, I eat healthy. That's a big thing. I eat healthy, and I just drink tequila. I don't drink like beer or wine or anything like that. Sydney, wait, wait, wait. don't, don't get cardio body. Don't, you got to do weights too. It's tequila, di- tequila, tequila diet. Tequila diet. And do you get any sleep because you've got something like twenty-five businesses and everything? You know, hundred of what is one hundred and fifty employees? Yeah, I mean, I, I I do sleep a little bit, but it's weird. Like I'll wake up in early in the morning, like around four or five, and I always say like the gerbil starts running in my head. Like you got to do this, you got to do that, and then I can't go back to sleep. And so. what time do you go to sleep? I usually go to sleep around twelve. So you get four hours sleep. Yeah, about four. Oh, wow, no, that's. Yeah. I know he he must be like one of these. At Martha least I'm not like Stewart. tweeting at like four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just got on Twitter, by the way. I'm a big Instagram person, but because I like pictures and stuff. But right, I just got on. well, you've got yeah, visual things, real estate. Okay, yeah. so you go to bed at midnight, you get up at four, you're on the tequila diet, you <laughs> run thirty minutes a day. So this is how we can all stay slim. That's and right. Fit. That's right. And then how do you? What is the biggest time suck when you're managing people? Because you've got 150 employees. Like, how do you get this all done? It's you know the hardest thing is really dealing with your employees. I love my employees to death. They've been with me for a very long time, and um, you know. It's person- Bonnie, Bonnie knows this. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. It's the person, the different personalities, you know, and people getting along like their desk is next to each other and they have an issue with each other. It's like, that's the biggest problem I deal with like these. But, you know, over the years, I've been having the same employees for a very long time because I believe in loyalty and having the same people and treating them well and making sure that they're happy. But um, I feel like sometimes I'm a counselor. Right. Don't do so you have that? To, yeah, so you you're in mean? between. But yeah. that, that's what I mean. So that's your biggest time suck is giving them counseling? Giving them counseling, marriage counseling. I'm the worst for that. Yeah, marriage counseling for me. But like I try to give them the best advice I can. And so and what? how do you limit that? Because you have a lot to do in a day. Well, you know, I mean, I take time for all my, my staff. I think that it's important. I mean, without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. Right. Yeah. You know? 
But so what advice would you give to people like how not to waste time? You know, because I think focus on the things. I always like to make a list uh, each morning when I wake up of things that I'm absolutely going to do that I know I can get done. And I put them on like a little note thing in my iPhone. And I make sure that I really try to do that and um, and knock those things out. And of course, in a day, it gets crazy. So you end That's up always right. changing things. But I try to list the, the, you know, five or six things that I know I need to do. And I try to stick to it. So you want to get them done. Quickly, now, can I just quickly ask, yeah. have, sure. you, have you met Brad Pitt down I was Louisiana? just going to ask the same I did. question. I did. I met Brad Pitt at uh, the Make It Right Foundation. I actually did the cleanup to help make sure that they could What's build What's the Make It up. Right Foundation? The Make It Right Foundation is a foundation that Brad Pitt was part of that he, I guess, him and a group of people got together. and Him started, and Angie. Yeah. Both involved. Yeah. Yeah. They got involved and, and uh, he bought a house like one block away from where I live in the French Quarter. And um, and so they started this, and, and they needed somebody to clear it. So I ended up clearing it, and I met him a well, couple wait, of times. Wait, wait, what does clearing it mean? Clearing it was that I had the garbage company, so they needed somebody so to wait, come in. So wait, they bought – they didn't they buy some properties because Brad was going to rebuild houses? They did a deal where they helped – they got a group together, and they bought property that was uh, damaged in Katrina, and they helped build these homes for people to move back into the ninth right. ward. Yeah. So is that what you were involved in with I them? was involved with the cleanup, yes. I see. So mm-hmm. you clean the area. Clean the area so that they can start building. And when you met Brad. Did you meet Angie too? I didn't meet Angie. And so Brad. what was Brad like? He was a nice guy. He was really nice. He was, you know, really into his kids and very passionate about this project that he was doing. He, he was there every day and making sure that it was going the way he wanted it. Um, but he was a very nice guy. And he's actually good friends with a friend of mine, uh, Randy Gerber, who was oh, married really? to Cindy Crawford. Yeah, right. yeah. That's why. So you're drinking Randy's tequila. Randy has the best. I love Casamigo. It's oh, the best. Oh, God. It's Casamigo's like everything is so yes, connected. It is. It's, I'm telling you, it's really I love that tequila. It's so the why are you friends with Randy Gerber? Because is so he in Randy, New Orleans? Okay, so my brother was really close to Randy. And then Randy and I became friends. My brother and Randy were very close. And my brother How was... How did they get to meet? So Does Randy have like a, a restaurant or so, a bar? So I'll tell you. Okay. It's so, so Lenny... This is like celebrity nah. uh, connection. <laughs> I'm not name dropping. Yeah. You asked me, so okay. I'm telling you. We asked. So, we asked. You asked. So, so Lenny Kravitz and I have been friends for a long time. Oh, there goes another name. And okay. I used to work for him as his uh-huh. assistant. Like, go get my toothbrush go get my luggage and when um, was that that was back in 95 and before you started yes, your business yeah how did you get then. to be lenny kravitz right assistant? out of high right out of high school his fault fa- lenny's father and and one of my uh family friends uh, lenny's dad would always come down for jazz fest and so they're like told they told lenny you got to meet y- young people so when you're in new orleans you can hang out and so we met and he would always come to New Orleans. And when I was getting out of high school, he we met. I and was, it was like thirteen years old. Because of his dad, because the whole jazz connection, jazz connection, and the whole thing. And um, and then right when I got out of high school, he was in L.A. and he's like, "Hey, I want you to come down to L.A. and hang out." And I went down there. I thought I was just going to hang out. I was working at a at a radio station doing graveyard shifts. And um, on the air, yeah, nobody would listen. Probably one person a night was listening, you know, graveyard. Oh, that's like our show, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, but no, so I, I decided I like wanted to be in music, I wanted to do music. So I go there, a southern boy ends up in LA, and I'm opening the door, you know, Winona Ryder's coming in, Daryl Hannah, and I'm like, this is cool, like, I've made it right. And I was, you know, right out of high school, and I'm like, this is what I wanted to do. 
I do that, and uh, he fired me after like a year and a half of working for him because I got involved in the party life. I didn't really work. He was basically <laughs> assisting me. No. <laughs> and so... Lenny, what, I need my dry cleaning. I, I need my dry cleaning, Lenny. <laughs> so he ended up firing me, which, and, which was the best thing that ever happened because I wouldn't be where I am today if that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And, um, and so... Um, but Lenny introduced my brother and I to Randy and Cindy... Crawford, and my brother became very close with Randy and actually went to work with Randy, and um, Randy and my brother have been friends for a very long time, and, and so... And so there's your tequila connection. That's my tequila connection. Right, and Brad, and somehow that goes back, oh, because he's, he's friends, friends with, with Brad, Brad, yeah, with Brad Pitt, and is Brad Pitt as cute in person as he is... Um, <laughs> Listen to as this. he is in his photos? <laughs> I don't know. And I mean, on film? You know, he's, he's a nice looking guy. He's a nice looking from a guy to a guy. He's a nice looking guy. <laughs> okay. Well, I've I've seen him. I have seen him in person, but you know, wasn't like as close up as I would have liked. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. I mean, he really is. He did a lot for New Orleans, and I'm thankful for that because I love my city. I know, and we really yeah. want his his custody battle to end. So I know nobody could... wins in that. I, my parents divorced when I was 13, and that was probably the hardest thing in my life. You know, because and you don't really. I mean, people don't realize it. It, it puts a toll. It takes a toll on children. Oh, totally takes Big a time, toll. You know. Well, okay, so there we have it all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Sydney Torres, tune in to March 1st. March, yes, March 1st, The Deed on CNBC and February 6th, APB on Fox. Thank you so much for coming to our Hollywood Life Live and our podcast. Thanks, (laughs) Sydney. Thank you.